It is 2017, and they're getting ready to give out the award for Best Technology Podcast at Podcast Movement, and they announce the nominees. BuzzFeed had Internet Explorer, First Look, Mac OS Ken, Note to Self, Reply All from Gimlet, The Audacity to Podcast, The Feed from Libsyn, This Week in Tech from Leo Laporte, Today in iOS, and The School of Podcasting. And I remember thinking, this could be so cool. I can't believe I'm in a category with Reply All and Leo Laporte and my buddy, Daniel J. Lewis, and I'm up against Libsyn, all in the same category. I can't believe I'm competing with these giants of the industry. And I'm like, this is going to be so cool if they call my name. I've got my speech ready in my front pocket, and they say, and the winner is Reply All. And I know you might be saying, Dave, why are you telling me about that time you lost? Because I was able to compete. I was in the arena. And back in 1910, which is way back in the day, President Roosevelt of the U.S. gave one of his best speeches. And he said, the poorest way to face life is to face it with a sneer, a cynical habit of thought and speech, a readiness to criticize work which the critic himself never tries to perform, an intellectual aloofness which will not accept contact with life's realities all these are marks not of superiority but weakness he would later continue it's not the critic who counts it's not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at worst, if he fails, at least fails with daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who never know victory nor defeat. Today, we are going to talk about podcast success and the steps you need to take to achieve success, regardless of how famous you are. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting Sense 2005. I'm your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you are new to the show, this is why I help you plan, launch, grow, and monetize your podcast. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com. You can use the coupon code LISTENER, that's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, when you sign up for either a monthly or yearly subscription. And today is a little bit of Dave Stew. And what I mean by this is I've had a few things that I've listened to that I'm now going to throw all of them together into one pot and serve them to you. The first ingredient was an episode by Mike Rowe. He does a show called The Way I Heard It. And he talked about a very influential teacher that he had that advised his students to focus on 
what you're doing, not so much how you're doing. Because if you focus on what you're doing, serving your audience, creating content of value, then you kind of don't have to worry as much about the how are you doing. I see it all the time when people say, hey, I'm getting ready to launch my first episode. What's a good number of downloads? And that's where I want to go, what are you doing and how well did you do it? Because that's going to answer that. I also say this, look, when you launch your first episode, that means if you're ready to go out to the world, you've got your artwork ready, you've got a description, you've got some sort of marketing slogan, all these things you do when you launch your podcast that I help people do with. How about we're just happy that you got the episode out because so many people are not in the arena. And one of the people that is in the arena and he focused on what do I do is Brennan Mulligan. That's the guy behind PodPage. I love PodPage. In fact, I just was on a show today and somebody said, hey, thanks for the recommendation on PodPage. I love it. You got to go out. It's so cool. Now, let me explain why I say he focused on the what. He said, my customers need a website for their podcast that's going to look amazing, but you don't have to be a giant nerd to use it. So he did that. He built a Facebook group with over a thousand podcasters and said, what do you need this to do? And they say, hey, we want to add sponsors to our website. Done. I want to add, is there a way we can have people add like their own bio to the website? Done. Hey, can we have this tracked by Google Analytics? Done. Does it integrate with Patreon? Yes. Supercast? Yes. Mailer Lite? Yes. Look at what you're doing. And then the how you're doing is going to be phenomenal. And you can try PodPage right now. All you need is an RSS feed. And you can try it for free to make sure it's a good fit for you. You can have a great-looking professional website built in maybe 5, 10 minutes. It's amazing. All you have to do is go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash trypodpage. That's schoolofpodcasting.com slash trypodpage. I created a post in the Podcast Movement Facebook group, and the comments went bonkers with some people, again, being the cynical and saying, hey, you know what? It's easy for that guy to say. And that guy is Joe Rogan, and here is the quote. What I tell people about podcasting is you can't make money in podcasting if you're trying to do podcasting to make money. (laughs) Yeah. But if you want to do a good job, you just want to make a great podcast, and you just keep doing it. You probably will, I can't guarantee, you probably will make money. Though. You must ask your listeners, to, or as we call them, producers, to support you. You must ask them. So Joe says, but if you want to make a good podcast and just keep doing it, then maybe somebody will give you money. And so I went and found on YouTube a very old clip of Joe Rogan Ending his first podcast. And if you watch that, A, it's horrendous video quality. Joe barely understands the internet at the time, but he does say this. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been very interesting. We were up to 379 motherfuckers. So for the people like, hey, he brought an audience. He bought 379, okay, he brought 379 people, not a bazillion. So, but before he went to Spotify... We know he had millions. That was reported in a couple different places. 
But he also said this back in 2009. We'll, we'll commit. We should do it once a week. We'll commit. We're going to do this once, once a, week. a week. Two hours once a week. I think that's a good All idea. All right. So he was dedicated to creating something in a dark room with a bad webcam. And, hey, I see the power of this. I see the opportunity here. Don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm going to try this. And we're going to do something. And then I'm going to get feedback, improve it, do it again, listen for feedback, improve it, try it again and again. And some of the things that Joe now provides is what I call dinner party talk. So let's pretend there's no COVID and you're at a dinner party and you're all walking around and there's Kenny G playing in the background and you don't know what to talk about and somebody brings up music or somebody brings up maybe food and you go, hey, did you know that one of Ted Nugent's kids, you know, Ted Nugent, the guy that kills all sorts of meat, did you know that one of Ted Nugent's children is vegan? And they go, really? Where did you hear that? And you go, on the Joe Rogan podcast. And Joe Rogan also provides something that you can't really find these days. It's really powerful. And what is it? It's called a dialogue. Yeah, here's what this is. If you've never heard of this, if you're like 24 and you're like, Dave, tell me, what is a dialogue? It's where you have people with two different opinions express them to each other without trying to kill each other. A great example, going back to the Ted Nugent interview by Joe Rogan, uh, Joe talked about his use of drugs. He likes mushrooms and pot and all sorts of stuff. And Ted Nugent has never done any drugs. He occasionally now might drink wine because it's somehow good for your blood or something like that, but pretty much has never done drugs. And the two of them, Joe and Ted, they expressed these different opinions in a calm, educational manner. And if you're, if again, if you're maybe, I don't know, 23-ish, before America's pastime, was recreational outrage. People used to have dialogues and actually learn something from each other. And then I saw people go, yeah, but Joe has that producer that makes all those clips on YouTube. And to that, I go, promotion, if you take something that's bad, and then promote it everywhere, it doesn't somehow turn it good. Like somehow this just magic wand is like, oh, all this needed was about another million eyeballs and it would be great. No, let me give you a great example of that. I enjoy Katie Seagal. She's an actress. You probably know her as Peg Bundy. She was on Sons of Anarchy. She's now on, I think, The Connors, another TV show. She has talent. She's a great singer as well. And she had a new show this year on ABC it was called rebel and it was written by Krista Vernoff, who is known for her work on Grey's anatomy and the TV show charmed. She's won three Emmys and the show was inspired by the life of Aaron Brockovich. That show with tons of promotion lasted five episodes. You know why it was pretty bad. Yeah, I watched it. I just, I couldn't identify with the character. She just kind of, I just was like, yeah, that's not really happening. And I, it just, and consequently, apparently a lot of people did that. So just promoting it doesn't make it good. I always like to promote the example of the Lone Ranger. I first heard about this from Rob Walsh, who is uh, the VP of podcast relations at Libsyn. And if you go to Wikipedia and look up the Lone Ranger with Johnny Depp, this is one of the worst flops in movie history. 
And they just had, I mean, they had the happy meals. They had tons of commercials. Promotion doesn't make it good. So then what's the deal with Joe Rogan's YouTube videos? The one thing I think Joe Rogan needs is editing. Like those times, my favorite is when I'm listening to his audio podcast and they pull up something in the studio that they watch on YouTube. And so you sit there for about two minutes and you hear Joe Rogan go, Oh man, look at that. Who, oh man, juice. Did you see that? Holy, oh my, oh, who, yeah, that's great. You know, so I would love to be the editor of the Joe Rogan podcast, especially for the audio one. And so these small clips of Joe were golden nuggets. And that's where I kind of want to go. How many golden nuggets did you get out of that three hour episode? And they go, I don't know, about 15, 20. Yeah. Everything else that wasn't clipped, maybe you should delete. There's a novel idea. So I hear people talk about, yeah, he gets so much promotion though. He gets promotion because the stuff he was putting out was really good. And then there are some people that go, yeah, but you, you don't get it though. He's a celebrity. People know who he is. People know of who he is now because he has a podcast. They didn't know who he was in 2009. Being a celebrity doesn't make your podcast good. And for that, I'm not making this up. This is a real podcast. And tell me, are you going to go listen to this? This is Paris. Hey, this is Paris. I just wanted to do a podcast because I feel like I have so much to talk about. There's so many things that happen in my life that are so exciting. I want to be able to connect with you all. Over my career, I've probably been interviewed about a million times. So now it's my chance to turn the tables and interview some of your favorite celebs, my friends, my family, people who I find interesting, newsmakers, influential people, and maybe even you. We'll talk about love, relationships, pop culture, gossip, what's happening in the world, what TV shows we're binging, fashion, beauty tips, life advice, any problems you're having in life, if your boyfriend or girlfriend is being beyond, and so much more. And it's just going to be really fun and entertaining, and I just can't wait. Listen to This Is Paris on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to This Is Paris. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at This Is Paris Podcast. Email us at paris at iheartradio.com or leave us a voicemail at 833-87-PARIS. Be hot. Subscribe now, my little Hiltons. I can't wait. That's been around since February. And I have now, granted, I'm probably not her target audience, but I have not heard anybody say, hey, have you heard what Paris said on her podcast? I haven't heard it covered in the news. I haven't heard anything about it. In fact, I was kind of surprised that she's still doing it. I'm not surprised that Paris needs a pop filter at all. I was like, wait, what is this like? No, this is that's her trailer and not a ton, but she could use a little pop filter there. She does have 15 million people following her on Instagram. So she's definitely famous. And I was reading an article on the GQ website, and the reviewer said, Hilton is many things, a DJ, a reality TV star, a designer, but an engaging conversationalist. She is not. She's also one of those people that's kind of famous, and we're kind of not sure why. I'm just picturing this horrendous game show. The password is Nick Carter. And so you look at your your teammate, and you go, okay, it's a guy that used to, to sleep with Paris Hilton. And they look at you and go, not helpful. I mean, holy cow, who does she think she is? John Mayer? 
And since we're talking celebrity podcast and do you need to be a celebrity to be popular or successful in podcasting, I reached out to the one and only Hall of Famer, Rob Greenlee. He's the VP of Content and Partnerships at Libsyn. And I asked him about his opinion on do you need to be a celebrity to be successful in podcasting? I know what, I bet Rob knows a few celebrities that are saying, wait, why am I not successful? I am a celebrity. So can you shed any light on that? Well, I think it's a complicated subject. Some celebrities do very well with podcasting. I think it really gets back to their personalities, how they they look at the world, kind of their their values and how they think of other people. And that's what the variability is. I know uh, many celebrities that I've worked with, more specifically at Podcast One over the years, and this goes back to like in the 2004 timeframe, uh, is that it really depends Many celebrities really are dependent on other people to write scripts for them. It depends on what kind of celebrity that they are and what their background is and what their personalities are. It's a very complicated thing. Like I I work with uh, Larry King, you know, from CNN of many years, and you would think that he would be a very successful podcaster. But sometimes the ideas around content um, that get proposed around podcasting kind of go go in wrong directions. And he happened to do his podcast with his 15 year younger wife. And it turned into kind of what I called kind of a bicker cast. (laughs) And they were kind of bickering amongst each other. And that podcast never, never got off the ground. And I mean, you think about how successful Larry King is as an interviewer and as a uh, conversationalist, and it, it was really disappointing. But his podcast barely got maybe two thousand downloads per episode, and it and it got canceled eventually. And and then I've also worked with guys that are kind of more in the humor and and side like a Pauly Shore. I don't know, many people probably don't remember Pauly Shore, but oh. back back in the eighties and nineties, he was a very popular kind of DJ on MTV. He was the weasel. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And, you know, and then there's other guys, you know, and and kind of the general feeling is a lot of those guys have really big egos and they think that they they can just walk in and and just rule anything, but they don't really have to put the work in and they expect everyone else to do the work for them. And all they have to do is show up. And that that's to some degree the case with even some successful celebrities like Adam Kroll is a good example of that. Adam Kroll has a team around him. He just shows up really at the last minute, sits down, does the interview and leaves. He doesn't do anything else. That's how celebrities look at this. And it's it's not a commitment that they make that's at the same level that most podcasters make. And it, it makes it hard to work with them because they don't really want to take responsibility for much. They just want to show up and they want to get uh, just get paid for just showing up. And they don't really feel like they they have to earn anything because th- they feel like they've already earned everything. Yeah, they've paid they've paid their dues on the stage or whatever. And it's like, yeah. Right. And I remember, I think I forget her actual real name. I think it's Nicole, but Snooky from uh, Snooky. Right. Yeah, I, yeah. I also what, worked with Snooky, too. Yeah. And right. I think at the time she was actually doing OK. If I remember right, because she, yeah, because she had a, a terrific personality. I mean, I mean, many people would would laugh at me if I say that. But over time, she matured as a woman and she, she, she became a mother and she got 
you know, married and she was trying to build a business for herself. So she was taking life very seriously. I think her reputation was someone that was a little bit of a joke, right? Right. Um, and, and that painted her into a corner and it actually created situations for her even in her podcast because she would struggle to get um, advertising deals because of her prior reputation, even though the current podcast that she was doing is that she did a terrific job. She, she spoke to her audience, like she cared about them. Mm -hmm. She communicated to them and was very helpful and, and built community, but people, because of her prior reputation, they didn't, they didn't see her in a credible light. So they didn't give her a lot of support. And ultimately I think, I don't know that she's still doing podcasting, but she built a huge show. I think that was probably, I hate to say, at the time, that was the biggest show on Podcast One. It's just they couldn't sell any advertising into her show. <laughs> so, what a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. And she worked really hard. I mean, I, I worked with her to some degree to try and um, massage her cover art because everybody wanted her to put Snooky in the, right. as the name of her in the cover art. And she wanted to put her real name in there. And everybody kept pushing back. Well, nobody's going to know that it's you, right. Snooky, right? And everybody knows that name, but they don't know your real name. So, you know, your show's not going to be as big. So she was in this quandary of which direction does she go? Does she live in the past or does she try and build something new for herself? And she chose to build something new. Yeah. Uh, any other celebrities that you've you've seen? I think, were you around for the Kathy Lee Gifford podcast? That was early. Yeah. Well, actually, she was on Podcast One when I got there, and that show was a good example of a celebrity that just showed up and recorded, and and she never really built a huge audience for her show. I mean, eventually it got canceled because she was from a generation, I believe, that really didn't really understand the personal aspects of podcasting. She was treating it like a broadcaster and that is not the correct orientation. And eventually she started to lose ad sales deals and she wound up shutting it down. Yeah. That might be one where her target audience at the time, I forget what year that was, but it was a little while ago. And at the time, podcasting might not have been quite so mainstream. Her audience might not have been, you know, ready to, figure out how to hit that little purple button on their phone. Well, what would you say to anyone who's saying, you know, I know why my podcast isn't popular. It's because mm -hmm. I'm not a celebrity like, you know, insert so-and-so. Yeah, I don't think that celebrity is always um, an important aspect. Now, granted, there are some advantages that coming into podcasting, if you have a significant following behind you, I think a good example of that would be somebody like a Mark Marin or a Joe Rogan. They were doing television in the past and they were involved in other activities that built a reputation and a certain following to what they were doing prior to podcasting. But certainly when they started podcasting, they had the right approach to building a show, building community, uh, speaking to their audience, really caring about their audience. And, and what they built was something much bigger than what they had prior, even on television. So, you know, and those guys are great examples of indie podcasters. I would put Mark Marin and, and Joe Rogan in that same bucket as um, originally indie podcasters, because both those guys spent, I don't know, six, seven, eight years building their shows. Um, to reach a certain level of success. And it takes that level of commitment. They had some advantages. There's no question about that. But they also had qualities in their ability to communicate that 
connected with people. And that, that's the key. I mean, even other shows that I worked on, like Steve Austin, who is the, you know, the pro wrestler, he had a certain kind of communication style that was able to connect with people. And it certainly was a, a certain demographic that he reached. But then there's other guys that had had the same ability, but just in a different target audience. And, and they were able to build successful shows. So it really gets back to your personality. It gets back to your ability to um, think about what your listener is interested in and also to just dive into things that people care about and to speak to people like they're people and not, you know, like what a lot of celebrities do is like, and I think I mentioned this earlier, is that a lot of celebrities really base their reputations on the script that was presented to them. And that's how people perceive them yeah. is based on the, the roles that they played in TV or films or whatever. I and mean, that may not be who those people really are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of those guys have huge, huge egos. I know I work with David Spade at one point because he he wanted to start a podcast as as well. And he just, I mean, he came into Podcast One Studio and did did a few conversations with a few other shows, right? Just prior to his interest in starting his own show, and uh, and the comments that the production staff and and the the hosts of those shows came out of those experiences was like, this guy's a kind of a horrible guy. I don't really want to work with this guy. So you kind of have these, you know, there's these big egos. And so sometimes that really gets in the way of, of success. Rob, thank you so much for uh, sharing those stories. I really did. It helps me uh, kind of make this point that it's not all about celebrity. It really is your personality, connecting with your audience, being relatable and uh, delivering great content. So thank you so much. Yeah. Well, thank you, Dave. I appreciate it. There you go. Little Rob Greenlee, again, Vice President of Content and Partnerships at Libsyn. Also, hands down, nicest guy in podcasting. And if that's not enough, he is the co-host of the new media show. So you have a VP from Libsyn and the CEO of Blueberry, which is Todd Cochran, and they do a show where they talk about the news and podcasting and things like that. Find that at newmediashow.com. Thanks again for Rob for coming on. But a lot of people were kind of sticking with this whole celebrity thing, and some people go, hey, you know, those celebrities get all those advertisements. I actually went over and listened to, I started to listen to an episode of the Paris Hilton show. And it starts off with advertisements. And I'm like, really? Like, you need more money? Holy cow. Unlistenable, by the way. was ugh. But so many people consider I'm not successful until I get an advertiser. And can I say, mm, not sure I agree with that. I understand that might be your goal. And if that's your goal, yeah. But, boy, there's so many other ways to benefit from a podcast. But I did have somebody. I heard about them. If you ever wonder how do people get on the show, I heard Matt Wakeling on the feed and he sent in a, a bit of feedback and I heard him and I was like, oh, it sounds like that's a good story. So I'm going to bring him on the show here in just a second because Matt's been podcasting for five years, got some great insights, including getting a sponsor. And speaking of having a clip in a show, it's time to talk about the question of the month. It's super simple. I need this by July 23rd, 2021. The question of the month is, for whatever reason, we don't know why, but you can't podcast anymore. Something's happened. Something's changed. You can't podcast anymore. What are you going to miss the most 
from being a podcaster. Go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash question by July 23rd. And don't forget to mention your podcast and where we can find it. So it'd be like, hey, this is Dave Jackson from the School of Podcasting, where I help you plan, launch, and grow your podcast. You can find me at schoolofpodcasting.com. The biggest thing I would miss if I had to stop podcasting is blah, blah, blah. Super simple. Schoolofpodcasting.com slash question. I, I was making radio shows for fun. If, if everybody does it, at least everybody I know, does. shut up. As I button up this concept of celebrity and do I need to be a celebrity here? There's a uh, special coming out on Hulu this week. They're interviewing Paul McCartney and he said the reason the Beatles have memorable songs is back then you couldn't record them. There was no cassette deck. So they had to write memorable songs because they were remembering them. So there's a question you might want to ask people is, hey, did you listen to the last episode? What was the most memorable thing about it? And I found this great video of Jerry Seinfeld being interviewed by Howard Stern. And he explained that to shape a joke, you have to tell it to someone. So again, you have to get in the arena. You are not helping anyone by leaving that on your hard drive. And we have recorded Voice memos, for those of us that remember answering machines, we've pressed record on VCRs. We have the skills to be a podcaster. One other thing I wanted to throw in here is we can do what comedians do. Comedians go on tour, and while they're there, their fans come to see them and hopefully bring somebody else who doesn't know them. Well, you go, yeah, but Dave, I'm not a comedian. I can't tour. You can go on other podcasts. Yes, it takes work to find the right one and approach the person. You can comment in Facebook groups. You can write a blog. You can do all sorts of things. And so many times when people go, oh, I've done everything I can to promote this. I haven't done everything I can do to promote this show. And that's where, again, sometimes the real learning comes by looking in the mirror and going, have you really done everything? Have you really done everything because in the end i we've learned it's not celebrity that makes these shows great it's the content it's the connection it's the dedication and it's the delivering of value and now here's my quick talk with matt from the guitar speak podcast you can find that at guitarspeakpodcast.com matt thanks for coming on the show Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. I've been listening to you for a long time, so I'm thrilled to to be on the School of Podcasting. Yeah, I know you started back in 2016. When did you know, all right, I'm going to start a podcast? Probably around January 2016, December 2015. I started thinking and planning to, to launch a podcast. But yeah, it took a little bit of time to plan. And then, yeah, April 2016, the first one dropped. And Obviously, I I love your name, Guitar Speak, so we don't have to guess what the podcast is about. How did you go about getting from, in in the guitar world, how did you go about getting those big guests? A couple of things were really helpful for getting guests. So first of when I started, I thought, okay, who do I know? That was part of my planning. And I knew some well-known players in Australia anyway, just through my own connections and some playing I've done. It started from there. But for the big names... The, the household guitar player names, at least. A lot of that came through local PR companies. So one of the big wins I guess I had maybe about a year or so into my podcast was working with promotions companies in in Australia. So the very first one was I saw an ad that Dweezil Zappa 
was touring Australia and at the right at the bottom of the ad there was presented by or brought to you by and there was some there was a PR company. I don't even remember the company, but I emailed them. I said, Hey, is Dweezil doing any press for the tour? And I didn't believe it, but they got back to me and said, Yeah, do you want twenty minutes with Dweezil Zappa on, on this day? And I guess from there, that, that really snowballed it. That first one helps when you can say, I've had other people such as Dweezil Zappa. They're like, Dweezil's been on. I got to go. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And it, just, it does snowball the effect. But really, the big names, most of the time, it's been through a PR company. They're touring Australia or they've, they've released an album. So they've, they're available for some press. Some of the big names, I still I still chase guests myself all the time. And some of them I sure. get myself. I, I spoke to Orianthi. Michael Jackson's last guitar player about a year or so ago. That was me just trying to grab a hold of her and, and contact her myself. But yeah, working with PR companies in your niche has been awesome. Have you had anybody ask you like about your specific downloads or anything like that? Or are you just basically saying, I've got a bunch of guitar players listening to my podcast and I would love to have you come on? What kind of information do they need from you? Do they even ask? No, short story. No, I've been asked maybe yeah. once. What are my downloads? I'm surprised because my my audience it's not thousands and thousands of weekly downloads at, at all. It's a very consistent audience, which is awesome, which I'm super grateful for. Well, that's why I always ask that because so many people think I would ask so and so to come on my show, but I've only got X amount of downloads, and I'm like, if you have, in your case, you've got guitar players, you've got a niche, and I know that guitar players we attract each other. So when you've got somebody a big name they're like oh those are my people they're going to those are the people that are going to come to my show especially yeah. and uh, they're not going to ask you for your downloads don't worry if you think you have a small audience or things like that any lessons you're at year 5 when you look back at the first 2 years anything step out that you go ugh wouldn't do that again or anything that you like it sounds like you you hit a home run just by saying well I'm going to email this person any other lessons along the way I guess there's things I would do differently, but what I did, I just jumped in. So I had those four months when I was planning, trying to contact guests, trying to work out how am I actually going to upload this stuff. But the stuff I learned in those couple of years, for one thing which I found out really early was to get a good podcast distributor. So I'm, I ended up with Libsyn very early. I know you work for Libsyn. Some of my friends use Podbean and other things. But I, I tried starting through SoundCloud. I had already had my free SoundCloud account. I tried setting up my own RSS and that kind of stuff. That got really messy. And early on, there were some issues with SoundCloud. So another podcaster who I just met over the net in, in the States said, oh, check out Libsyn. Yeah, we haven't had any issues with them over X amount of years. So getting a good distributor was huge. The good thing about Libsyn anyway is the web page. I didn't really want to invest time and money into a website. I, for me, that's not a big priority and it still isn't. So having a simple but really functional web page as part of that package was really helpful. That was awesome. Other lessons. I learned what Skype was. <laughs> when I started, I thought, <laughs> I'd, I thought I'd just be talking to you know, Australian guests. That quickly blew out to international guests. Just things like we take for granted now. Everyone Zooms now, especially over the last 18 months or so with the pandemic, everyone's very literate on on online conversations and discussion. And I know one of the things you mentioned now that you're five years in that I know on the feed, you said, hey, I actually picked up a sponsor. And can you share how that came about and any insights for somebody who's thinking of trying to add a sponsor to their show? Yeah, sure. Pardon me. Yeah, I've got two sponsors at the moment. That was a great surprise. Again, my numbers are, are re consistent, really strong for me, really happy for where I'm at. Mm -hmm. I never thought I had enough 
of a following though to chase after ads. So I never did. I, I, I would sponsor some very small local things going on if something came up. But so two sponsors at the moment. One of them is Fretboard Biology. Now that's an online guitar course that's put together by a guy called Joe Elliott from the States. And we met through the podcast. He was actually a guest of mine and got on, had a great interview. This is quite a few years ago. And then out of the blue, he got in touch. He said, look, I'm putting together this online guitar course. Do you want to check it out? Do you want to be a beta tester? So for sure, I got into ah. that. That was awesome. And then I said, listen, this looks really good. If you want to, because we're building a relationship now, I said, listen, if, when you launch this, let me know. We can talk about it on the show and help get the word out. So we did that. And then from there, he came back and said, listen, we're going to put some money into advertising now. Do you want to be a sponsor? So that was purely through a very organic relationship that was built. And That's um, it. Yeah, it's been awesome. It's been really cool. So I wasn't chasing. It was more someone came to me who thought, who already knew about my audience, my size and, and where I was at. And we've been running since late 2020. And they've been great, really keen to to grow with the show. So that was one. The other, my other sponsor came out of the blue. I got an email from reverb.com. Yeah, it's an eBay for musicians, for lack of a yes. better phrase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they had just spent, I don't know, a squillion dollars on creating the pedal movie, which is a pedal about, uh, a movie about guitar pedals and the history. And it's just a beautiful documentary. And yes, they were after some advertising to promote that film. Now, that, that was a little bit different in that I didn't know those guys. We got to know each other and they had a very specific three month window. So, I'm two months into that window at the moment. At the end of the three months, we'll see what they want to do, if they want to continue. Or The original agreement was to do three months of ads, though. So that was a different kind of relationship there. How much paperwork is involved now that you've added a sponsor? Because I know a lot of people just get fascinated with the thought of monetization. How much extra work does it add when you bring on a sponsor? Yeah, there's a fair, fair bit of extra work in that. So if we go back to the fretboard biology, well, for both sponsors, I wrote up an agreement that went back and forth. So, so there's that side of things. You know, how long will the ads run for? What are you charging? What can they expect? Things like that. Your statistics then become more and more important. I'd probably, I'd gotten used to ignoring my statistics or looking them up very rarely because I had a fair idea of where my audience was at. But now I'm back into that. So 30 day statistics for each episode, sharing the international downloads with the advertisers, that sort of thing, depending on how you're getting paid. So at the moment, I'm sorting out the reverb. I'm a supplier to reverb now, technically. So filling out the paperwork, the taxation details, fairly com complicated because I'm not an American citizen. I'm a sole trader living in Australia. So yeah, a fair bit of paperwork there. Worth getting through, but it, it definitely adds to the, the time on the job. Yeah, that's the the thing I think that people go, wow, I got my sponsor. And then they're like, oh, and by the way, yeah, we could get that in triplicate. Any advice for somebody? You've been doing this now five years. Looking back, any advice to somebody who's thinking of starting a podcast? What would you say to that person? Yeah, I'd encourage people just to jump in. You don't need to know everything. But a lot of the learning is on the job. You just need some basic, some very fairly basic technical skills. So it's not that hard to start. I think the big deal is to really pursue stuff that you love and that you're passionate about. And through that, you'll work hard because you're into it and you'll develop good content. That's the big advice. Just pursue what you like. And then you come up with a show you like. So it's so hard to, to go from day zero and think, okay, if I do X, Y, Z, I'll get my listenership will be at a certain level and I'll, I'll be monetized in six months or it's really hard to predict that stuff. And I think if that's your focus anyway, I think that's a little off track. So I've just made the show that I've tried that I would want to listen to pursuing stuff that, that I'm interested in. 
And yeah, just I guess from doing it for a long time and, and slowly building. Not that I've not wanted to go faster at different times and not that I've never been frustrated or wish things had gone differently in some situations. But by and large, I've been able to pull it back. And I think what got me into this in, in, in the first place, which I know you say that all the time, Dave, and I, I remember hearing you say that a few years ago and it really stuck with me. So, yeah, pursue stuff that you love. Keep improving your show. Keep making your show better and better. And there's some good times ahead for the podcaster. That's it. Couldn't have said it better myself, my friend. That was well put. Uh, you could, If you're a guitar player, you definitely want to go over to the website again. Check it out, guitarspeakpodcast.com. Matt, thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing a little bit with us. Dave, thank you so much. It's been a thrill to speak with you. Schoolofpodcasting.com slash 783 is where you can find the links for everything we talked about today. I love that Matt started off with this podcast. He said, well, who do I know? Start with your local network. Is there anybody there that would be a good guest for your show? And then I thought it was brilliant because if you think about it, when it comes to concerts, sure, the the artist wants people to be in the seats, but who really needs people to be in the seats is the promoter. That's kind of like if you ever can't get the attention of a author, reach out to the publisher because you just go to the publisher. Hey, that thing that you're publishing, I would like to talk to the author and help you make more money on that book. That usually works. His sponsors right now, hyper-focused on his hyper-niche show. So again, you don't need to have a gazillion downloads to get a sponsor. And you might say, yeah, but is Matt making a living with his podcast? Not yet, but who knows what's going to happen in the next five years. Remember, Joe Rogan has been podcasting for, I believe, 12 years. So the question comes back, can you achieve podcast success without being a celebrity? Well, now you know what the question of the month for August is. My answer to that is yes. And if you have a difference of opinion, I know I've kind of been saying, it's here's my answer is yes. If your answer is no way, Dave, I would love to hear from you. It's that whole dialogue thing we do here. But a lot of that's going to depend on how you define success. I know when it comes to which one is easier, blaming someone else or taking the time to make a great show, find an effective way to promote it while you're trying to work on this whole monetization thing, it's always a little harder to look at yourself. At least I feel it is. But when you do, for me, that's where the real learning starts. Because nine times out of 10, you haven't done everything. You go, oh, I've done everything. Have you? Have you really? I don't think so. So that requires looking at, if we go back to the micro thing, looking at what you're doing. Are you giving your audience what they want? And maybe not so much, how am I doing with my stats? What am I doing? Now, if you'd like to start a podcast, I would love to help you. All you have to do is go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Use the coupon code LISTENER. Thanks in advance, by the way, for sharing this episode with a friend. I do deeply appreciate that. And until next week, take care. God bless. Class is dismissed. By Mike Rowe. He does a show called That's the Way I Heard It or Just the Way I Heard It. And I need to burp. And one of the people, she's popping peas. Pa, 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 provides is what I call dinner talk. And what I mean by that, ah, crap. <laughs>